You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love her. Brown skin, love her. Brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Yeah. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg Eel, the Culture Change Agent. You already know on this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And you already know I got a show for you today, but before we get in there, I got something on my heart that I have to say. Thank you for every single person that retweeted, shared, commented, attended, tried to attend, shared with a colleague. Lifted me up in prayers as we finished our Minority Trailblazer tour at North Carolina Anti-State University a few days ago. It's an overwhelming feeling to believe like a couple months ago, I'd never even been to Houston. I haven't been to to the West Coast. And we've been able to go to nine cities, eight different states in a matter of four months and impact almost a thousand lives. I never could have imagined that. And there's a nugget in there for some of you that are starting, some of you that's been in the game, about playing big. When I first had this idea about going on tour, people said, no, you should just do one event. I said, I want to do a whole tour. I didn't have no money. I just had a dream. I had belief. And I had support from a select group of family and friends. And we embarked on the thing. We sold tickets before we had the venues. We showed up at places and it was like, yo, the event about to start, like five people there. And at the end, it was like 55, 60 people. I mean, we just kept living on faith, kept living on faith, kept living on faith. And now we ended a first U.S. tour. I couldn't, like, beginning of the year, I was a teacher. And this is a full context. I've been professional speaking for four years. And while teaching, I was also doing things. But still... It's just things can come fast. Things can change quickly. And that's why I love so much about North Carolina A&T's podcast because I had Morgan Cannell and James Murchison on the line. And earlier this year, they were going through some troubling, troubling, troubling situations. And then Morgan now on one of the biggest radio hip hop stations in North Carolina, holding on a major shift in King James 919 is traveling all across the world. And for those of you who don't know, he was on my earlier podcast when he had a clothing company. Closed the clothing company, started cooking. And I'm telling you, all across the world, cooking for individuals. And you can check them out at King James 919. But man, it was it was crazy after the event, man. People were crying. I was just very emotional because it we we really jumped into some deep things. And that's why I'm so excited just to continue on this podcast and just everything, man, because the fan base, the support system, I call them family. I call y'all trailblazers. Y'all hold it down. Y'all real authentic people, and I respect that. I live that. I love that. And before we end, um, I want to say a couple things. 
Over the next four months, I'm going to do a specific, specific portion of this podcast. Every single guest on the show is going to be a speaker or presenter at my first ever Minority Trailblazer Conference, which is March 9th and 10th, 2018 at the Durham Convention Center. You need to register online today. Register online. Get your money right. I think the first thing is like $150 for tickets, and then they escalate. So, But you need to register online because this is going to be one of the most powerful inspirational, actionable conferences of 2018. Hands down. I don't usually brag on my product like that. But when I tell you, if you attended a stop on the tour, imagine that times 10. Imagine that with an action plan. Imagine that with workshops. Imagine that with some of the best, most notable people in the game that's in their niche, giving step by step of how they did it, why they did it, and how they're going to continue to do it. And you don't see nothing out there like that. So I'm really, really excited to bring such an authentic, transparent, and powerful conference to the world. And yo, I need to see you in the building. But I get I say all that to say, every single week we'll have a speaker and we'll be talking about different topics. We'll have audience engagement. And every Saturday we will have an open Q&A. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it Zoom, webinar, Skype. I'm not sure. But we'll have an opportunity to interface, ask questions, and build that community with the speakers that we have. We've never done that on the Minority Trailblazer. Y'all have never submitted questions, and I want to take that to the next level. So please, 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 next Thursday, we got, we're going to be embarking on a new journey. So rock with us there. So make sure you continue to share this podcast with your friends. I mean, I got people from Australia. I, I see you. Um, Africa, the UK, uh, out there in Washington. So many other states that 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 support the movement. So I appreciate y'all. Oh, by the way, make sure if you have not copped some Minority Trailblazer merch, go to MinorityTrailblazer.com and find that. And yo, just keep supporting the wave, man. I believe in y'all. I thank y'all for believing in me. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. When I tell you this is one of the best episodes of season four, and let's get it. Yo, Minority Trailblazer fan base, people that listen and tune in every single Thursday. I know Friday. I know Monday because I, yo, I've been on tour, so these ain't, ain't me coming out every Thursday. Sometimes you get on a Friday, Saturday morning. Hey, we're going to get back on track sooner or later. But today I have a phenomenal guest, man. We connected. I connected with him like last year on LinkedIn. And I, I just I've always had the talent and know. Who got the sauce? Who got the glow? Who, 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 what, what person, what innovator, what young cat is really going to do some things on the next level? And I'm just blessed because he's been doing things for the last four or five years on a, on a, a very, 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 very high level. I think this is maybe the second student, college student we've ever had on the podcast. Last year we had, uh, Austin Ogletree who delivered a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal message on the podcast. Shout out to Austin out there at Microsoft. And um today we got a we got a young guy, man, that I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you, just just back to back hackathon champ. Just just want him and his team. So make sure they're gonna they're gonna get shout out into this in this podcast as well. But 40 grand just accomplished, eleven offers. I mean, black enterprise, HBCU buzz. This I, I when I'm when I look at North Carolina A&T's website or when I go on the campus, I'm like, yo, he's everywhere, like leaned up against a tree or hands folded on his back on the grass. Like he's the spokesperson, one of the spokespeople for uh, North Carolina A&T, man, and computer science and most one of the most humble and down to earth guys I know that I know. Mark this in my words, my no trailblazer listeners is going to be is already a game changer, but it's going to be one of the lead trailblazers in the. Uh, entrepreneurship space in the corporate space and just the uh 
everything space, man. Sky's the limit. But let me just read his bio and then we're going to jump in. And side note, this is a perfect podcast for you parents out there. They got these high school kids. They need an example. They need some real talk stories. Boom. Perfect podcast. If you're a college student that's trying to get, trying to work for like the Apples or the Googles or the Microsofts or the Sam's, the Oracles of the world. Shoot, he's worked with half of them anyway, so this is for you. For the young professional, this is a great, 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 great podcast to listen to just to kind of see what the wave is, how people are moving in this space, and some tools and tips and resources that he using to, to get these land these jobs at these top tech companies. And last but certainly not least, my mature, my seasoned professionals that hold their podcast down a lot of stories. This is just a great thing just to just to just to just to listen to a young guy that is out here getting it. So he is a senior computer science student at North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University from Stone Mountain, Georgia. And so far, he has had the privilege of working at NASA, Oracle, Sam's Club, Apple, and for his university as a web developer at a research lab. And he's also a teaching ex- assistant for a data structures course. Outside of coding, he's also a musician of 11 years with experience on the alto, saxophone, French horn, and vocal horn. Prior to attending college, he originally wanted to be an architect. And the plan started shifting when he noticed how technology had affected the way architects designed the structures. So I started doing research on how tech was involved, and not only this, how the industries and other industries were involved as well. So soon after, he, he made a decision to join the field of computer science. And upon receiving his bachelor's degree... He is going to further his education with a master's in computer science with a focus in machine learning and artificial intelligence. And he will continue to build on his extensive background and gain more experience as a full-time career at Microsoft for their Katana team for as a software development engineer. He hopes to one day start his own tech company focused on artificial intelligence. And when experienced at some of the best companies in the university of the world, he would use his wealth of knowledge to create a product on the service to make a bit easier for society and most specifically the culture, man. So I know there was a lengthy bio. You're like, how old is this guy? This guy like 21, 21 years old. I, I, don't, I didn't said NASA. I didn't said Apple. I didn't said Oracle. I didn't said Sam's Club. And now I have said Microsoft, man. But without further ado, I would like to introduce one of the youngest trailblazers I've ever had. Matter of fact, the youngest trailblazer I've ever had on this podcast, Brandon Long. Tell him I know the trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you, Greg, for having me, man. So, Brandon, man, like I said, uh, I know we've known each other. We've been connected for... Uh, I think maybe a year. I don't know how long we have been connected, but you came on radar a year ago. And I was like, yo, I was looked at, I was, I'm, all, I'm big on LinkedIn. So I'm looking on LinkedIn. I was like, hold up. This, did this dude really go to AT? Like I saw all these, all these experiences and we reached out and connected, man. And, uh, thus far knowing you, man, you've added a lot of value and I do not take this interview for lightly. This is not a stop field. I got like 10 interviews on ice, but I'm, I'm, I've never been excited to kind of, I'm not going to say pick your brain because I hate that, but to just discuss a couple of things, discuss right. your journey, discuss these things, most importantly, to give it to our audience. So, man, I, I'm thankful that you, 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 you're you breaking out time to get on this phone, bro. No, definitely not. I, I can't thank you enough for even, you know, reaching out to me and uh, getting to know me just over a year ago. I mean, the past year, our relationship has really expanded a lot. And uh, I'm really excited to be on the show today. Oh, no doubt. No doubt, man. So let's jump right into it. As always, we always start the show off with a quote, man. So. Yo, share with us a quote that you live by and share with us a specific story about how you apply that quote to your everyday life. Yeah, man. So one that really sticks out to me is a a quote from Nelson Mandela, and it reads, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. 
And um, this is really meaningful to not only myself, but my family. So I'm not sure if you know, but I'm actually a first generational college student. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my parents ever, ever stepped foot on a college campus prior to myself. And um, it's really, really meant a lot to myself and my family because um, just being able to get these opportunities is really, really huge for the family. And so it's meant a lot. My younger brother is now in college as well. And we, we're both being able to use technology to both affect our families, being able to help us help us financially and being able to make an impact on, on the world. Mm. So being a first generation college student, what was the first time that you realized like, yo, that a, that you, you had a different gear as far as intellectually in the educational space when you were a kid. And then two, you realize that like you, you're going to have these opportunities, but it's something that your parents never had. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, as a kid, it was really when I first got into engineering. Like I said, like you mentioned in the bio, architecture. So we got exposed to AutoCAD in high school and being able to play around with different structures and stuff. I mean, that was amazing to me. And I knew that was something that my parents had not experienced before. Um, but then when I got to university, you know, it really expanded a lot because I got open to the idea of working at these major corporations and being able to impact them just as a little kid, you know, coming out of Stone Mountain, Georgia. So it was really, really huge experience and it, you know it's all a big thanks to my university north Carolina A&T state no doubt and, and and what are your parents like this take us back to your childhood before we get into the nitty-gritty take us back to your childhood man your upbringing and what did your parents do yeah, yeah. so my father um like i said you know although he didn't go to a university he's, he's one of the one of the best entrepreneurs i've ever i've ever witnessed i mean this man he's done everything from putting fences on the side, I mean, putting um, signs on the side of the road for marketing other businesses to striping and asphalting the uh, parking lots and truck driving. And now he's actually doing his own bath remodeling business, Upscale Bath Solutions, right there in um, Covington, Conyers, Georgia. I mean, this man literally from the ground up has done his own thing, business cards, website, done it all. And so that's really inspired me on my entrepreneurial aspect and um, being a, such a hard worker just from watching my dad. My mother, she's been working in retail for probably almost 20 years now. She's actually uh, at uh, TJ Maxx out in um, Snellville, Georgia. And so she's been there for years and years, been been there going to the Boy Scout meetings, the PTSA meetings, the whole nine. So both sides of the, both my mom and dad have been in my life and it's really been impactful and, and, and being, make, make, making me who I am today. Man, that's huge. That's huge. I think you said something critical. Matter of fact, we got some similarities because my mom, she worked in retail for a while. And then my dad, he, uh, he drives trucks. So he's, he's a, he's an entrepreneur as well. First generation as well for me, man. And I think before we kind of get into the degree, I want to, I want to talk about something real, real quick because I was, I was, I run or I walk, run every day for just to start mm-hmm. off, just to get my pulses running. And I was thinking about, I always get messages when I, when I walk, like messages in my head. Cause I, I, you know, I speak. So I'm always thinking about new, new content. And I think one thing that is critical that, that if you're a parent, if you're a student here, from your, from your, your parents, you really technically probably weren't supposed to be this astute in maybe in school or maybe specifically in computer science, right? You right. weren't probably weren't handpicked to work at these top companies in the world, but what your parents did not give to you from an educational perspective, they give they gave to you in a mentality. Right, right. And I try to tell people all the time, it don't matter for the most part about your GPA, about how you look, where you come from, all that stuff. They do like let me not let me not they do play a part. Let's be real. As as people of people of color, at certain mm-hmm. things we are marginalized. But one thing you can control and one thing that is transferable, if you're a parent out there, one thing that is transferable is mentality. 
Right. Right. That that's what supersedes everything. So, Brandon, can you can you tell what mentality did you get from your parents that transferred to you being able to navigate the way you have been able to navigate thus far in your career? I mean, I, I think, and I'll pick this from my dad the most. Um, it's just understanding that you're not going to be given everything; you got to go get it. And so, despite where you come from, that doesn't that doesn't make where you're going to go. And so, I can speak on my dad specifically. You know. He came, he grew up in a single, single parent household, several siblings. And so, you know, he didn't have a father to give him a lot of the advice that a lot of uh, young men need in their life, but that didn't stop him from going on to become an entrepreneur and being a great father. And so same for me, my father didn't have collegiate experience or or huge uh, corporate experience, but that doesn't stop me from doing that and making a difference for my family. You know what I'm saying? So it's really just to show that, you know, you don't have to come from a uh, from a household where everyone's got it all to, to go to go get it yourself you know that just makes it a, a, a another a barrier for you to break so that you're the uh you, you know you make a difference for your family mm. and i want to ask this specifically for from so right now i want you to imagine if i'm a parent right mm-hmm. and i got a high schooler and i haven't went to college or i have went to college but i want my son or daughter to 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 do well in whatever they choose what direct advice that they probably direct advice would you give them if I was a parent on the line? Just just a couple key things that they should they should be doing. They could be doing as far as if they had a child in middle school, high school, whatever, to make sure that the child is engaged, involved, and in, encouraged. Right, right. I think what what parents should keep in mind is that you can't force things onto their children, but definitely keep the idea or the option there for them to do it. So I know one thing my parents never did was they they never said you have to go to college. You know what I'm saying? They never said that you, you either go to college or I'm going to kick you out this house. That was never something they did. Some parents have that mentality and, you know, they're very forceful and it may mm-hmm. work. But, you know, I don't think that's always the best route. As long as the opportunity is there, you know, you say, hey, I think this is a very great opportunity for you. College can make a difference. And they're, you know, they're at least presenting the opportunity to them. I think that's a great start. And also showing that that. You know, if they did have struggles in life, having the opportunity to go to college could have made a huge difference for them. And mm-hmm. so showing that having what we have today in society is a big difference from what they had back when they were uh, when they were younger really helps to uh, persuade students to say, hey, you know, I don't want to have to struggle the way my parents did. Let me go to college and get this opportunity, get this education so I can make a difference for my family. So it's really just being able to tell tell your child and present to them to say, hey, you know, in order for you to live better than I did, you might want to go take this opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not want to sit around and play games all day because that's not going to make a, it's not going to really make a living unless you get into game development, of course. But yeah. <laughs> um, everybody's story is going to be different. And, yeah. you know, everybody uh, reacts different to different um, upbringings and whatnot. So it just depends on really the kind of uh, child you have and, and what, what they, what they react to the best. Yeah. 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 And if you had to give one, one thought, to a high school, we and I know young professionals. Hey, yo, hold hold tight, hold tight. We're getting there, but I, I want to say something right now while we while we early in the podcast. If you had to say something, because I have a lot of high school listeners out there, as far as passion, because I know that's cliche. Hey, find your passion, whatever. But what are some things like how? Like, matter of fact, here's a better question: What type of things did you do in high school? That now as a senior at North Carolina A&T, a guy that just received 11 offers, a guy that just won $40,000 in this competition with his team, like what transferable skills did you develop in high school that are transferable today and how did you go about developing them? 
Right, right. So when I was in high school, band was life. All mm-hmm. I did was band practice. I went to class, you know, got my A's and B's, and I, I went to band practice. That's what I did. So uh, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, and that's really one of the big reasons why I came to A&T. But we'll get to that a little later. But um, being a leader in the band helped me to become a leader in the college, and you know, up next will be in the corporate America. But uh, when I came to campus. Um, a couple of my student organizations that I'm a part of, or one of the one of them specifically, didn't exist. And so, going into my sophomore year, after talking to some professors, that was something that they said, "Hey, I, we think you should do this." And immediately, um, I took over that and became the leader of that. And now that organization is prospering on campus, right next to right next to Nesby and the other organizations we have on campus. And so, that's something that was definitely transferable just from being in the marching band and being a leader in the band. Um, and getting that leadership experience. Aside from that, I was also in Boy Scouts. And so that's also a really great organization that I use to gain a lot of leadership skills, a lot of survival skills, being able to, you know, make fires and things of that nature. But there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being these organizations that can easily become transferable throughout your collegiate journey. Yeah. I think, but I think something that you, uh, that you made clear was, and I hope, hope nobody misses, even for, this is for everybody is that you modeled the behavior that you wanted to see and you like not right. and not say like, okay, listen, as far as no creating innovating, you didn't say, well, I'm gonna wait till I got a hundred thousand dollar budget to be innovative. I'm not, right. I'm gonna wait till I have a Apple company to throw out this idea. No, you said, yo, I, I, I see there is a gap as far as organizations. Let me create it. Um, when you were in the band, you said, okay, let me be a leader within the band. That doesn't mean that you were leading the band. That means right. you may be a leader in your section. Maybe that mm-hmm. was you, you were a leader in far as the way you operated within practice or the way you prepared. I think a lot of people see leadership as a title. Leadership is not a title. Leadership, of course, is a mentality. Mentality. You have a leadership mentality. What does that mean? I'm showing up on time. But when I am, wherever I do show up, I'm organized. I'm prepared. Those type of mentalities, when you are not a leader, will allow you to become a leader. And when you are a leader, it will allow you to be an effective leader. Because there's three different things, right? So I think a lot of people get caught up in this title. Okay, I'm going to wait till, like for that high school student, say, I'm going to wait till I get into college to do X. Or that young adult that says, I'm going to wait till I get into this company to do X. Nah, no, no, no. You need to operate whatever lane you are in right now. Right. Operate is the same way because things don't change. That's why I think a biblical perspective is like okay, and and, and I don't want to lose too many people, but say for instance, say if I'm in budget, if I can't manage ten dollars, then what's what 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 do you think? You think I'm gonna be able to manage a million? <laughs> it's like for real. So I think we understand that practically in finance, but if we to put it in life, right? If we cannot handle one business. If we cannot handle even one friendship or relationship, do you think we can go out here and handle um, businesses with multiple Fortune 500 companies and you can't even right. stay solid with your two clients and you want to deal with a Fortune 500 company? Because this real right. be when I first started speaking, I was pissed because I said, man, I want to be on Steve Harvey. I want to be on Oprah. I want to get gigs. I, I, I worked in corporate America. I know how to train right. in corporate. Let me. Why, why is no corporate people bringing me in to train or work with the interns? I wanted to work with the big companies, get the big dogs. I had no contract. <laughs> I didn't have that expertise. I didn't have that background, but I had to realize, okay, let me just stay faithful to this elementary school. They just go into the classroom with no cameras and just do it. Let me stay faithful to this middle school, this classroom, not the auditorium, the classroom. And it's not even a whole classroom, just like four or five, right? <laughs> and now we can go and we can do the colleges, but I don't want to get on the rant. Let's go. Let's go right here. 
Why Auntie? Man, so yeah, as I said, you know, band was life back in high school. And um, when you're in high school band, you've got these competitions outside of just the football game. So we came up for this national competition. Uh, we, we, it was at uh, Johnson C. Smith University. Mm-hmm. And um, sure enough, we had a guest band come perform, and it was the baddest band I'd ever seen. Blue <laughs> Gold Marching Machine. I mean, they came out here. Uh, the, the dance team, Golden Delight, was out here twirling fire. And hey, go, when I'm I like, saw Golden Delight, I said, I'm going to a t <laughs> Man, they came out twirling fire, playing everywhere. I said, boy, this school is on. It's lit, like literally. And so um, at that point, I was still um, interested in architecture. And the only HBCU that I really that really stood out that had HB, uh, architecture was FAMU. And at that time, FAMU's band was was real nice to me as well. I really wanted to be in their band, but they went through some struggles that uh, that caused the band to be put on um, suspension. And so mm-hmm. they didn't have a band anymore. And then A&T popped up and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. And then I switched over to computer science and I was like, you know, who's got the best computer science program? And that was A&T. So it was, a, it was an all-in-one package for me. Mm-hmm. Computer science, marching band. I was like, boom, this makes sense. And so A&T was the school I wanted to go to. I applied for three colleges just for backups, honestly. But I knew I was going to A&T. Applied, came up to the uh, orientation date, and I was like, "Yeah, this this is it. This is perfect." Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. So, question, question, question. I'm doing a little bit of research, and let's jump right into the nitty gritty. You had an internship your freshman year at Ant, right? Right, right. I did. So how? So one, how did you go about like even getting it? Because like I said, your background, you didn't come from corporate background. Like that, no. you didn't. There wasn't a no. So take us through, take us through <clears throat> understanding. How do you got it? And then the principles you use to secure it and right, and, right. and look through it through an optics of because there's certain there's some people out here that not even students, but just adults that are looking for jobs, looking for opportunities. And you not ever even being in that background were able to not only find opportunity, but then secure it and then do well at it. So, man, walk us through that. Right. Right. So coming to college, I didn't know anything about this internship game. Like I didn't know you needed that to graduate my fall semester, you know. A&T kept sending these emails about a career fair. I didn't even go. I didn't go to the first semester career fair. I didn't, you know, I, I was all banned, 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 banned. I didn't think about that. Um, spring semester rolled around and I was like, you know, let me, let me go to this career fair. It sounds cool. I went to it and I was walking around. Of course, a lot of companies are saying, you know, you're a freshman. Come back next year. Come back next year. Even one guy, he pulled me over. I, I didn't even stop at his table. He, he stopped me. and was like, you know, Brandon Long, you're going to be interning here next summer. And I was like, what? Really? I'd never heard of the company. I mean, I, I, it didn't make any sense to me. And so I didn't gain anything from that career fair necessarily. But a few weeks later, I got an email from a, a woman in our department who's always sending out opportunities. And, and um, she, she's great. Her name is Miss uh, Miss uh, Rosemary Williams. And she's, she's probably one of, the, one of my favorite people here on campus, um, a really great person. But she sent out this opportunity about an internship at NASA. Mm-hmm. I've never had any interest in working at NASA. Didn't know anything about them besides spaceships and going to outer space. Mm-hmm. Um, I got this email and it said it was open to freshmen. I was like, okay. And what did it need? All they needed was a resume. And I was like, <laughs> I can send you that. So I sent my resume in. Next thing I know, they want to do a, a Skype interview. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know anything, but we'll do it. <laughs> and uh, we hop on the call. Um, it was all behavioral, you know, just talking about side note, about side note. Uh, how did you prepare for it? Cause I don't want to gloss over that. Did yeah, you, yeah. did you not prepare for it or did you like, and, and think, think through it through your freshman year mind? I mean, as a freshman, it's like, you know, this is my first interview. I had a, a part-time job in high school working at a clothing store, just like my mom Marshall's. Yep. And, um, you know, that's all I had really. And so when people say behavior interviews, I, I did some, some research on the questions they might ask. And it was always, 
tell me about a time when you did this and that. And so my only situations were marching band and Marshall's clothing store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I just re- reevaluated what I did in both of those organizations and u- utilize those situations. So at this time, I hadn't gone through any coaching about using SWOT analysis or STAR methods and all this other stuff that really helps prepare students. But all I had was I worked in Marshall's, I was in the marching band, and I've gone through one semester of college. That's all I had. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to the interview, I looked at the job description, and it was talking about some um, some Microsoft um, Office stuff, some real basic information that was really not even relevant to computer science. And so I was like, well, I know this stuff. Let's go into it. So we had, a, it was three guys on the call and myself, a little intimidating, but, you know, I just went with the flow. And um, they asked me a few questions about, you know, projects I've worked on in school. And that was about it. You know, I didn't have to write any code or anything. I think they knew as a freshman that I didn't have a lot of coding experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having that leadership experience outside of college, pre-college and being a marching band, you know, that was enough for them. And so, you know, about a week later, got a call back. You got the internship. I'm like, what? wow, <laughs> I'm like what? That's it. You know, it was really, really effortless. Amazing to me. Now, I can't say the same for all of my other interviews, but this one alone was was probably one of the most simple processes I'd ever experienced in getting an internship. Wow. For NASA. <laughs> for NASA. Anyway, it was crazy. Now, there was a caveat to that. You know, NASA wasn't paying me. Oh. It was a, a partnership. So A&T had a partnership with a contracting company who happened to have a contract with NASA. Mm-hmm. That's what put me down at the Space Center, Kennedy Space Center in Florida. So. On the resume, it says NASA. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I worked down there at Kennedy Space Center. And so uh, I wasn't building any rockets or anything. I was building a, um, a web application for the finance department. But at the end of the day, I had NASA on my resume. Mm-hmm. And, and so then now the sky's I, the limit. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I go see students now, freshmen, you know, it really, really, it really boggles me when they say, I'm only going to apply for Apple because that's where I want to be. And you, you hit on this earlier. I mean, um, it doesn't matter. I mean, I hit on it as well, but I mean, where you start, it's not going to, it's not going to be where you end and you mm. have to, you have to, it's stepping stones to this. So like you said, you aren't going to start off on Steve Harvey's level. You're going to start off speaking to elementary groups. You know, for me, NASA still is a great, is a great place to be, but that was a stepping stone to get to where I am now going to Microsoft. You know what I'm saying? So I tell students now, I say, spread your, cast your, your net as wide as possible because where you start is not going to be where you end. So you might go, to uh, work for uh, NASA or you might want to work for Cisco or wherever else, that might not be where you want to be. But having that on your resume is a huge difference from having McDonald's, Publix or wherever else as a cashier on your resume. Mm, I think you hit on it. Let's let's stay let's stay in the flow. Uh, quick segue. He says something deep. A lot of students at universities and specifically this is for college students right here. A lot of opportunities come right to your email and you look right past them. You really? don't even check your email. Like I know people that don't even know college who don't even check the email, and then they complain when they broke. Like, are you serious? There be scholarships and emails. There be opportunities and emails, programs that you need to be at, and you just don't go. You don't go. You just don't do it. And I, it boggles me. Like, does that ever bother you? It'd be like, there's people that you know. They're like, they're good people. Like, no, 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 don't disrespect them. They're great students, good people, but they, really? they, they don't even like. They're right now they're chilling, and they ain't. They don't have nothing secured after graduation, and it's like. But there's opportunities out there. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating, man. I'm like, yeah, it, I, it, I never, it never, I don't, it never understood. I never understood how you can come to A and T. You, you're in a lucrative field, and you walk away with no offers, no opportunities, because there are just so many of them at this university. 
mm-hmm. because of who we are and our reputation. It's it's really it, I don't it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I don't know. So I just challenge y'all for y'all college students. Hey, start opening your email, man. Start opening your email. I think you said some deep deep too, and it's gonna make more sense when I when I, when we we segue. But let's talk about. So you went NASA, and first and foremost, what was your biggest takeaway from NASA? Um, <laughs> that experience. What? Uh, the experience was really, really nice. Um, you know, that's when I really realized that, that we are a huge minority. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always gone through a predominantly black school through grade school, A&T's HBCU. And when I got to that job, you know, myself and the other few Aggies there, we were the only black people there. And, you know, that's been a consistent theme through all my other experiences, but that was the first time that I really saw that in person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now when I came back to university and got into my student organization that I brought on campus, you know, I'm starting to preach the gospel. <laughs> we got to, we got to, it, we, you need to get out here. Yeah. <laughs> There's no black people in tech at all. Uh-huh. And so to be in this major as computer scientist, as a black person, you know, that's, that's game changing. That's world changing. And so now you, we, we have to make a difference. And so that's probably was one of my biggest takeaways that. And that I don't want to be a NASA. Um, honestly, for me, it wasn't wasn't what I was most interested in. But again, it was a it was a stepping stone. It was experience that has helped to you know project me everywhere else. Yep, 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 yep. I think you said some deep there, but I'm just gonna let that let that sit. So let's talk about. So now you went to NASA. Then the next year you went to Oracle, and you you were there for a whole year. A whole year. So how how did you even get about that experience? Like how did you find it out? Like what like where did that come from? So this this is uh so me me. I went, so I was at, I was at NASA and I was watching Apple's worldwide developer conference online at, at NASA. And so people, I mean, if you're in the tech community, that's like a really big conference you're going to follow up on. And so we're at work watching it. And at the end of that conference, I'm like, yo, I want to work at Apple. You know, I want to go there. And so I started, I, go, I went on their website and I, I started looking around and I was like, you know, they don't come to A&T, but they go to NC State. So um, when school started back up, I kept in I kept in line with their career fair and our career fair. I went to ours, but I also drove that hour down to Raleigh. Wow! And I went to their career fair, and when I tell you their career fair was out of this world, <laughs> it was it was for engineers only. It was two days long. I, I had never seen anything like it before. But Apple was there, and I was going there for Apple. Um, I, I got an on site interview. I mean, an on campus interview with them, but I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But I also got an interview for Oracle. And so Oracle wasn't my target, but Oracle was there. And, you know, I had the GPA for them. They had a, a minimum requirement. I met it. I interviewed. They invited me to the Cary office in North Carolina. And I ended up getting an intern, a co-op with them, an eight-month co-op. And so I was with them from January of 2015 all the way until August. And I took a whole semester. Oh, I took an online semester of classes, but I was physically going, driving to Raleigh every day. And then at the end of that August, they were like, you want to work remote? I was like, sure. So I kept my full-time employment all the way until December of 2015. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so much stuff to take away from that. I hope y'all not missing it. Like, you drove. So what, what made, like, seriously, what possessed you to say? Because I ain't going to lie. I think I'm an innovative person, but I never thought. And I really stopped going to career fairs after sophomore year because I, I did MLT and all that good stuff. And mm-hmm. you did as well. But. What what 
what drove you to drive an hour to a different career fair? Because most people, they think, man, if the company's not here or if the company does come to my thing, that's that's good enough. Like, what in your head was like, yo, bump it. I'm going to go to, I'm going to drive to NC State, a campus. You didn't ask nobody. You didn't ask for permission. You just went ahead and did it. Like, what drove you to do that? I, well, I did. I didn't say that. I did check to make sure okay. I could go. I didn't want to drive right. an hour and get turned around, but <laughs> I, did, I did check. <laughs> um, it was really when I saw their lineup. I had never seen it before. Now A&T has the same lineup, which is, I'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. at the time, A&T didn't have this lineup of tech companies. I mean, Microsoft was there. Facebook was there. Oracle, you know, the whole nine. And so when I saw that and I was like, yo, I need to be here. And so, and I drove out there. I talked to the companies I could. Some, some wouldn't let me because I didn't go to NC State. That's all good. But Oracle took me in. I was like, this is a, one of the number one software companies in the world. Top mm-hmm. 10, top five, whatever. And, you know, they gave me an offer. I'm not going to say no to that. Mm-hmm. And so. It, it was, it was, you know, it was worth it. Now I promo our career fair, I promo NC State, I promo every opportunity that I see and find because I want students to jump on them and be better than me. That's crazy. Yeah, man. So what would you like? Let's go back to the one thing. What was the one thing that you took out of your experience at Oracle? Oracle, I, I got to experience working with a much larger team. Um, and this is where I really got into like a real software engineering role. I mean, shipping code editing existing code i mean it was it really this really got me into my engineering mindset at nasa was more so web developer but here i was a software engineer doing some real stuff um it wasn't my the project i had wasn't something i was passionate about it was i was working on accessibility which is great don't get me wrong basically building the software so that people with disabilities can still use it but the project itself it wasn't it wasn't as innovative as i'd like you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it was still a great opportunity. I would not have turned it down again if I had to do it again. Um, just not what, what I wanted to do. Mm, I, I respect that. I respect that. But then I also know there's something else that was different in your, and I want you to speak on this. And this is going to go, this is going to go back to about what I, I, I spoke about this uh, a couple weeks ago at a panel, like what opera, like people, People look at different opportunities and if the opportunity doesn't look like what they think it is, then they pass it. But that's probably a lot of times the opportunity you need. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose to work for Sam's? Because uh. <laughs> I look this, I'm looking at your thing. Cause I mean, Sam's Club is cool, big organization, yeah. but I'm looking at, I see Apple. I see, and we're going to get to there, but I see all these big NASA, Oracle, um, and all these companies. I see Sam's. I say, okay. So what did you like? So what, what made you take that experience and, and yeah. how does that complement kind of what you do today? So Sam's was, yeah, it was, it was out of left field. <laughs> so I went, so I was still, like I told you, I took the work, work from home opportunity, extending the co-op to a full year with Oracle. And I came back on campus that fall, back as a full-time in-person student. Like I said, I was co-op. It was all online classes. So I came back on campus fall 15 and um, I was set to graduate a semester early, which when people hear you did a co-op and you can graduate early, how do you do that? It was really weird. So freshman year, I was maxing out 18 credit hours a semester. Mm-hmm. And then I did the co-op, 18 credits online. <laughs> and then <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but I mean, I did it and it was crazy. But then that summer, I took nine more credits online. And so just doing that put me ahead. So I had an extra semester and I was like, yo, I can either graduate fall 17. So I would have been walking this December. But I was like, you know, I don't want to do that. I like the idea of graduating in the spring. It feels more normal, more relaxed. I mean, like everybody, you know, we graduate spring. It just feels Into right. Into the summer, yeah. So, right. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm about to do the co-op. And so 
I went to a and fall 15 career fair and um, I was walking around, you know, I would never thought to go to a Walmart booth. Like what, why would I go there? Like it's a, it's a retail company. And I walked up and this man named Tosin, he's actually one of my mentors today. A really, really cool brother, man. He, he's amazing. I went to his, de- his, his booth. He stopped me had a bow tie on this real nice blazer. I like, man, this, this cat is cool. And so <laughs> he was like, he's computer science. He's got great opportunity at Sam's club. I was like, what? what are you talking about? And he was like, we're doing this real, real crazy stuff with accessibility and, and, and chatbot technology. And I was like, oh, chatbot. That sounds cool. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, that's up my alley. I'm interested in artificial <laughs> intelligence. That's like, that's what I want to do. And so I didn't realize that the role was more so project management. But, you know, he sold the opportunity to me. He sold it. <laughs> he sold it. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, this sounds amazing. It's all expense paid. I get free, you know, travels covered, a free apartment. What, you know, what scared me was that I was going to Arkansas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what messed me up. When he said Arkansas, I was like, whoa. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, I had a free semester. I was like, you know, let's go try something new. So I get out there to Arkansas. Bentonville, Arkansas, the top left-hand corner called Northwest Arkansas, NWA. And, um, you know, again, there's not many black people there. Um, we, we, we had a little black network, but, um, yeah, the experience was very, very different. Um, like I said, I wasn't in the engineering side. I was on the business side, but I was still able to do my own thing kind of. So they had me build a proof of concept of this chat bot. Um, I called it Sammy. I mean, he was Sam's club, Sammy. And, um, basically, <laughs> Basically, he was like Siri for Sam's Club. And I mean, I had a nice concept where the bot would, you would talk to him and say, I want to order this, you know, put this on my, my, my shopping cart. And it automated the process of you doing online shopping using your voice. And so that was amazing to me. I'd never worked with chatbots before. And that is what pretty much I'm doing now. You know, I did it at Apple, we'll probably get into this a little bit more next, but you now chatbots is, is, is all, all, all what I'm about. AI machine learning. So it was a different experience, but it actually funneled into my, what I want to do in my career. Mm, yeah. Nah, man. I, I, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And it's crazy because you said it earlier and I said, man, that's, that's real because your experience in all these places is, it's all leading somewhere. And I, I tell everybody, every experience matters. Regardless right. of the organization, regardless, like use it, use it, like figure out how to use it. If you're working at McDonald's, think, okay, how can I use this to my advantage? If you're working at a right. job you hate, like what skills am I learning? Like try to think of something positive out. And I think you've, you've shown it in your career thus far. Like most people would not, like, cause everybody, like you said, when they come into computer science, we know the giants of computer science. We don't got to mention, we know these startup, big startups that are, that are now huge, billion dollar IPOs. You got the Facebook, you got the Snapchat, you got the Instagram, you got all these places. But sometimes we take the role as travel specifically in its different experiences, man. It makes you a freaking beast because you had a software engineer experience. And then you have project manager and, you know, Sam's Club and freaking Walmart is one of the best operate and, and not don't go left on me. I'm not talking about their practices. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> as far as business management. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no better supply supply system. There's no 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 better process management system than than Walmart. Like there's there's none. And to work for that organization from a business perspective probably just, um, took you to a whole nother level as far as you're different. Cause I, cause you, you're different than a lot of other engineers. Cause I ain't gonna lie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a paint engineer with a wide brush. A lot of engineers are just, they're in their tech space and that's it. Like mm-hmm. I had somebody bump into me at a, at a coworker space 
this weekend, he's like, man, he had all these ideas. He, he, like, one of the lead guys when, when the internet was first came out dealing with HTML, but he didn't know how to recruit. He didn't know how to do anything as far as business development, all this stuff. So it's, it's great that you were able to get a dual role. So jump into fast forward, right? So we get to Sam's Club and then you had an opportunity to work where a company that remember in NC State, they said, nah, we, they really won't fill in you. So what did it look like to go full circle and work with the company that Remember your freshman year, you you thought you want you you wanted to work with, right, right, man. I'm I'm gonna squeeze in right between yep. Sam's Club and Apple because yep. there's something else that really happened there that shapes where I'm going after yep. after experience. So you mentioned MLT earlier, mm-hmm. and I definitely want to hit on that. So Please do that summer going that summer while I was at Oracle still doing this full year experience. I got selected to be a part of a program called Management Leadership for Tomorrow, MLT for short, and this has been one of the really key, key organizations that has helped to get me where I'm going to after graduation. And um, this program, I'm always preaching about it. I mean, you get so much of that professional development experiments that really helps to shape and make a engineer more than just an engineer. And so it's a, it's a really great program, 18 months, junior to senior year. And that program really built my network to something I couldn't have ever imagined. And so when I went to that fall career fair and got the Sam's Club opportunity for the spring, I had also met someone from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And so I went up to her booth. She grabbed my resume and said, you're an MLT. Why have I not spoken to you? She put me up with an interview the next month. It was seamless. Wow. Simply because I was an MLT. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I talked to her for two, not even two minutes, maybe 60 seconds, one minute at that career fair. And because I was an MLT, she put me up with an interview with Microsoft on campus. And so I went to that career, I went to that interview with Microsoft on campus a month later. And I'm gonna be honest with you, it wasn't the greatest. I had to write some code by hand on paper, and I had never done that before. Why on paper? On paper, no computer, not even a marker board. We was on paper. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the most intimidating thing I'd ever seen before. When I, I didn't mention it, when I got into Oracle, I didn't have to write any code. I mean, it was mostly behavioral. They were actually teaching me in the interview. It was crazy. But this interview with Microsoft, I had to write code on paper on campus, the first interview. No behavior. He was literally code, had me code. And I was not prepared for that. And so I went back to that same recruiter and I was like, you know, I thought I was going to be doing behavior. That's what she told me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she, she greatest recruiter I've ever met before, Keisha Epson. She's no longer a uh, university recruiter, but man, she was the GOAT. And so I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I was able to get an on-site interview flown out to Seattle. I was like, man, this is this is beautiful. This is crazy. And so I got out to Seattle, did four rounds of interviews um, with the Bing search engine team. Next thing I know, a week later, I got an internship offer to Microsoft. Mm. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. This is amazing. This, this doesn't happen. And so I went on and um, I got the opportunity. However, prior to that month, I had also applied for this program called the Apple Scholars, Apple, Apple HBC Scholars Program with Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Mm-hmm. And so this program, another elite program, comes with 25 grand for your senior year, summer internship, like the whole nine. And so I hadn't heard back from them until way, way late in the game, like December. And so this is after I got the opportunity with Microsoft. I got the inter- I got an interview with Apple through the program. Went through the interview process, coding all the whole nine, and I got an internship with Apple. I was like, yo, this is what I've been wanting since NASA. This is two years ago. 
I wanted the Apple. I finally got it. Not only did I get that, I got $25,000. So I was in a really, really, really tight position because I really enjoyed Microsoft. And so, um, you know, we, we, we went back and forth and Microsoft was understanding because of my financial situation. And so I have a younger brother. He wanted to come to college. He wanted to come to A&T. But that was an out-of-state. That's another out-of-state student. Mm. And so for my family, that's like, that's a that's a huge burden. And so that $25,000 meant the difference of me covering my own senior year and my parents having to get more loans to cover me and my little brother. Mm-hmm. And so Microsoft was like, you know, we won't hold it against you. And, you know, I cut off the internship opportunity with them and went with Apple. And so uh, I went on to Apple and it was it was an amazing experience to be in the Bay. I mean, as an African-American male in the Bay, it's it's game changing. It's, it's out of this world. It's, it's rarely heard of, but it's 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 really a great experience. And I would recommend everyone to spend at least a summer in the Bay Area. And that's are you are you going to be sponsoring this? <laughs> I just had a twenty dollar cheese steak in the Bay Area, Mister Long. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, <laughs> everybody it, from the Bay crazy. Area, like yo, I get you, but what seven thousand dollars a month condominiums in the Bay? Where did, where we staying at, B? I will admit, <laughs> like they they housing is crazy. Like even as an intern, they had four of us in one unit. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's crazy expensive, but the experience. I mean, if you got to go shack it up with some buddies for a month, I do it just to go get the experience. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, definitely want to be in the tech community if you're doing it because you'll get compensated to, to you know to do it. But I mean, that experience was at his world. I met entrepreneurs, um, you know, chief executive officers, uh, venture capitalists. You know, I went to an event at every company out there. I was at Instagram, Facebook, Google, YouTube. I'm just hitting everybody's offices. Getting some, and the, the free food is out there. You just got to go get it. I bro, mean, the free food. Bro, when I tell you the food, bro, I went to YouTube, son, and it had the the food. Every I'm talking about ch- legit. Oh my, the best chicken breast I ever had, dog. I'm like, how much? <laughs> I'm looking at the cash. I thought I'm stealing. My boy Mike was like, Yo, G, you good? I said, Am I, am I good? Am I good? I good. <laughs> it feels so unnatural, but I mean, yeah, Facebook's campus. You're literally at downtown Disney. The caveat is, you ain't got to pay for nothing. I mean. <laughs> It's out of this world. I mean, it's it's amazing, a beautiful place to be. Weather is 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 sixty to seventy every day. I mean, it very. I got we probably got rainy days three days out of the whole summer. And I mean, it that was like a light drizzle for an hour, and the sun came back out. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a very beautiful place to be. Um, like I said, Apple was a great company. Um, and I will say again, this is another place where we are a super minority. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. The scholars alone was 34 of us. We probably made up a good 75 percent of the black community. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, you know, if I ran into a black person, he was probably he or she was a scholar. And so, um, you know, that that's something I, I do not I did not like. And so uh, one thing that really, you know, this, this kind of is, is transferring into why, you know, why I'm not going back to Apple and why I'm chose Microsoft in my full time is because Microsoft, I could see them working and putting in huge strides into fixing their diversity issue. Apple, you know, they, they partner with Thurgood Marshall, but they don't come to A&T. You know, you know, I, I didn't see him at my career fair. I saw Microsoft four times that semester. Wow. And it's so, you know, it really, really, really meant a lot to me at how, how passionate and how serious Microsoft was and is about getting more black people and fixing not just filling the quota, but actually, you know, putting us in a place 
where we need to be. You know, so it, that really made a difference to me. Like I said, I'm not knocking Apple. My opportunity was amazing. You know, I learned so much there. I got to work on you know behind the scenes stuff with Siri, which is like I said again in my pathway to where I want to be. But it just meant to, it meant a big lot when I was seeing that what they were really doing with Microsoft and putting that time and effort into actually getting more of us. Mm, nah, that's I think that's huge, bro. Um, I definitely think I definitely think that's huge, man. So if you if you could share, man, what was the biggest or what? After after you were done with Apple, was the was the Microsoft still on the was was it still in the air? Was a smooth transition, or did you have to re-interview? So yeah, so I went back through the process. I was fortunate enough to still work with the same hiring manager, which which was really great. He did have a new team, and so I went through the interview process again. Got flown out. You know, I'm not going to knock flying across the country again. So I flew back out. Went through four interviews again and, um, you know, same experience, same routine, coding on the whiteboard. And um, I, you know, I'm thankful and very appreciative enough to say I'll be joining them on the Cortana team. And so, again, this is a, I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with Cortana. We're not. Cortana is a, uh, <laughs> he said we're not. <laughs> I, I think a Cortana, I think a Halo. <laughs> Man, Cortana, um, you know, I know a lot of people use Apple and they use Series. Cortana is essentially Microsoft's, you know, Siri. And so, it's a, it, they're doing some really, really amazing things with Cortana that not a lot of people are familiar with. And, it, you know, when I heard about what I'll be doing, I was like, yo, this, this is, this is legit. This is what I want to do. And so that really sealed the deal for me. And I'll be joining them June of 2018. Man, that's, that's huge, man. First of all, congratulations on that again. Uh, for that, that man and um i want to say too i'm jealous because all these bros i'm like yo i got freaking adrian ambrose uh jeffron smalls uh austin ogletree this i mean i'm missing some i think brian olds uh so bro i'm like yo and they coming out i'm not gonna put their bread out there like that i'm like son what what was i doing where was i at like i wouldn't <laughs> be on this podcast i wouldn't be speaking at i wouldn't be selling but i wouldn't be doing none of this stuff if i because i mean i came out we making like 60 in finance but Microsoft, I wish Microsoft was around when we was there. <laughs> I mean, I'll be talking with bros. I'm like, yo, like, what in the world? I, I definitely would have been on that train. Um, <laughs> but that's, 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 uh, that's you. And they got like a crib together now. So they're not, uh, cause you, will you be in Seattle? I'll be right outside. I'll be in Bellevue, Washington. Okay. 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 So that's, first of all, man, that's freaking, that's freaking awesome, man. So let's, let's go, let's go to current day, current day, current day, man. So talk to us. I want you to talk about, about two things before we uh, jump into our last, last part of the interview. Two things. First, I want you to talk about the program that you do at A&T, um, the organization, the programming. I think you do weekly or bi-weekly. So I want you to talk a little bit about that. And then I want you to also talk about your, your last experience at the hackathon and, uh, winning 40,000, but not more so just experience winning. But the preparation that goes into it, what is a hackathon? Cause for our non-tech people, cause I never understand people like, oh, my hackathon. Like, what the heck is a hackathon? Um, like, what do you do? And like, how do you win? Like, what, what in the world? So talk to us about the hackathon as well as the organization that you started on campus, how it has grown and, um, the importance for anybody that's listening on creating your own, creating your own opportunities. Definitely. Definitely. So we'll start with the, the organization. So. Yep. Like we said, back at, coming after NASA, I, I started the organization on campus as a sophomore, and the organization is called the Association for Computing Machinery. Basically, you know, we're, we're, the, we're the super nerds, <laughs> the computer scientists, computer engineers, the smartest folks on campus. I'm not trying to brag, but we do all the techie stuff. Um, and so this organization um, 
like I said, it didn't it existed prior to me coming to A&T, but mm-hmm. somewhere between 2013, 2014, it fell off. And so, you know, I brought it back. I held an interest meeting fall of uh, 2015 and literally four people beside myself showed up. <laughs> four people. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. I, I didn't know what to do. I never, you know, started an organization. I didn't know what it was like to have a student org on campus. It was crazy. And we took the next, it took us about eight months from that August or so, or no, not eight months, about until February. February, we had our first general body meeting. We drew in about 30 students. And today we have, I think, 60 paid members or so, 50 or 60. Mm-hmm. We have over 100 come to our different events. You know, we hold host different uh, workshops, companies on campus. We do the whole nine. And, um, you know, it's been a really great journey to see it evolve from four students leading, five students leading into now a board of about 15 students. And I mean, now today I'm the president emeritus and I've, I've literally passed it on. You know, I let them handle it. You know, I help and advise where needed. But I, it's really nice and it's amazing to see what started at four now, you know, 60 members, you know, and growing. And they're all doing amazing things. I mean, freshman interviewing at Microsoft, that was unheard of my freshman year. I mean, they're flying out here getting internships at, at Microsoft and at, um, at, um, Bank of America, the whole, I mean, they're, they're, they're really amazing students and they're, they you think my story is crazy. Wait four more years and these freshmen are going to be able to, they're going to be dumping on me. I mean, they're <laughs> really amazing students. I mean, um, so that was, that was ACM that was started up. And so as far as what I do now on campus, um, since I said, I passed it on. So also this past year, I was selected to be what's called a, a white house all-star. And so, this is a program for historically black colleges where just around 60 or so students were selected from applicants at every HBCU. And basically, we each have our own initiative on campus. And so my initiative is computer science for all. And I, I, I selected this to kind of um, branch off of President Obama's computer science for all. And my, my big thing is being able to impact students, both non-tech and tech, on campus and off campus in the community and teaching them how to code and getting them more inclined with the future. And so if you don't know how to code in the next 10 or 20 years, you know, you're kind of going to be out of place. Tech is really, really, you know, taking over every industry. Everybody, every company needs coders. Every company has tech. And so being able to, to, to talk in a language that's, you know, not normally taught is really, really, it's going to be game changing. So you, you're going to know English, but you also need to know a programming language. <laughs> so, you know, what I've been doing is I've started this Python coding workshop. Python is a programming language. And I teach students um, inside the college engineering and outside how to code Python. And so I started at the very basics, um, really simple stuff. And what I'm trying to do by the spring semester is you know, have everybody be able to build their own chatbot. Really, really, it sounds really, you know, amazing. It's really not that hard. And so I'm taking this workshop series to be able to empower students and giving them a skill set all for free. I'm not charging anybody. This is all my free, you know, this is in my spare time, just going out of the way just to, you know, give back and and teach other students some some of the skills that has helped uh, give me some really huge opportunities. Mm. And so, um, right now, this semester has been on campus. Next semester, um, I'm working with a few um, K through 12 organizations to really help impact the community as well. But uh, all of this is a part of uh, the White House HBCU All Stars program. It's really, really huge program that uh, I would definitely recommend students apply for this uh, next coming spring. Um, so the last thing you hit on was the hackathon. So yeah. 
hackathons are <laughs> they're 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 crazy. It's a it's a anywhere between twelve and and sometimes seventy two hours of problem solving. And so it can it can be technical or it could be just a pitch competition. But simply, you are given a problem to solve in X amount of hours with a team of generally between three or four students, or or either um, college graduates or high schoolers even. And I've been going to hackathons since I want to say my sophomore year, spring of sophomore year. I went to my first hackathon right here in Greensboro at a, uh, a art gallery, and I lost. I did terrible. <laughs> it was bad. Um, no, I'm sorry. That was my second one. My first one was in Charlotte, Hackathon CLT. I went there. I'll, I'll talk about that experience. So I went there. We took about 10 students from ACM. We went there. We were all gassed up. We've never been to Hackathon. You know, we're about to go. We're just going to experience it. This Hackathon was probably one of the classiest ones I've ever been to. I mean, they had wine. They had, you know, cooked food. Like, it was it was out of this world. Um, we went in there. Wine and cooked food, bro? <laughs> I mean, not pizza. I'm talking, like, fried <laughs> chicken. I mean, like... Usually you get like, you know, some pizza, you know, some, some <laughs> chips, water, but they had wine, alcohol. They, they threw it down in there. It was about 300 students from all across North Carolina. We get this problem you have from from what, 5 p.m. on Friday to 8 a.m. on Saturday to come up with a solution and to present it that next day. Wow. And we stayed up all night. The whole team was on my back. And around three o'clock in the morning, I gave up. Like. I, I couldn't come up with anything. I had a, I had a, I had a, my mind was just blown. Like we were given millions of lines of data and we were supposed to come up with a way to utilize that data to make some business more efficient. And I, I was blown. I'd never taken a database class. You know, I had a little website I was trying to build, but I couldn't do anything with the data. So three o'clock, I'm over here. I'm just laying down and going to sleep. My team over here, they, they gassed up on Red Bull, giggling and laughing. <laughs> it's having a good time. You know, we didn't win, but we had fun. So. That morning, we got in the car. We drove back to Greensboro. We didn't even stay for presentations. Y'all didn't stay for presentations? We, we didn't stay. It was bad. <laughs> it was that bad. Um, terrible. So that was my first hackathon. Really bad. So I went there, and I went to Thurgood Marshall College Fund Hackathon May of 2016. This was my first, like, crazy, like, productive hackathon. I came in second place. My team and I, three other amazing students who all uh, were, were really great team, uh, great team members. We won. Um, Apple watches. I still wear that watch every day now. Quick that question. Was, was so what, first. one thing, what, what adjustments did you make from the yeah. first one? So, I mean, this time I knew more about what we were doing. So this hackathon was weird in that they were teaching a programming language and also hacking. So this one, we, we had to use Apple's programming language called Swift and we had to build a iOS application. I had a I had a little, you know, a little little help because I had already used Swift before. And so that kind of helped me out a bit. Mm-hmm. But the simple thing was having that experience with what we were using, the tools that we were using. So um, and I'll get into this with the more recent hackathons, but really the thing is you you just need to have more experience and play around with different technologies prior to getting to the hackathon. And that's really gonna help you out in that spare of the moment, 22 hours, 24 hours to come up with a great idea. And so we came out there, we came out in second place. We built this little this little kitty math app where you put in a problem that you can't solve. You put in the answer you think is right, and we're like, oops, you almost had it, you know, but here it goes. The app was called Oops, a little math app. So uh, really, really simple thing. We came in second place. It was a really great experience. This was another classy one hosted by Thurgood Marshall. I mean, 
They had us down in this real beautiful hotel in Atlanta. All expense paid. Oh yeah, Thurgood Marshall do it big, bro. I ain't gonna lie. They, they, who's the, who's the CEO, down. man? He's a cool. I didn't get him on the podcast. What's his name again? Uh, say that again. The CEO, Jimmy. Uh, CEO. I can't remember CEO's name. I I, I reference Scott Lilly a lot. He was okay. over the program. Scott uh-huh. Lilly. He's a he's a he's a really cool dude. He's the one that um, created that program and worked a lot with also Apple Scholars. So he's I interacted with him personally quite a lot. Um, so yeah, that was that. So school rolls back around fall of 16 and there's this huge hackathon called the Black Enterprise Tech Connect um, Be Smart Hackathon. Huge name. And so this is A&T's first year. This was A&T's first year being a part of this hackathon. Um, and so we were one of uh, 10 schools selected, HBCUs, and my um, the chairman at the time of computer science at A&T selected myself mm-hmm. and three other Aggies. Uh, Angelica Willis, Ashana Evans, and Olivia Bayer. And so the four of us had never been to this caliber of a hackathon. I mean, it's a nationwide thing. We flew, flew us out to California. We get there. We don't know what to expect. And so prior leading up to the hackathon, we were given our problem. We had to come up with this in-car infotainment mobile application. I'm like, well, what the heck does that mean? And so <laughs> we had to come up with some app that you know could be used while you're in the car essentially and something that could that was going to be useful and so one of the biggest sponsors was toyota and their model was let's go places and so we came up with this app called let's go black and um this app was an app that would allow a user to put in their current location where they want to travel to and then we create this specially curated road trip with stops at black owned businesses african-american you know historical monuments and it really helps to get you more in, entwined with the with the black culture. Mm-hmm. So it was really impactful on this black um, this black um, seminar. I mean, this black conference we were going to for the hackathon, and it meant a lot to the audience. And so that's that was that was one key thing right there. It was really impactful for the audience, knowing the audience. And so we get there and get about. We this hackathon is kind of weird. We get like three days. We got three days to come up with this app, and we had a lot of constraints. We had to use certain certain tech technical features. I don't want to get too, too far off, you know, throw people off, but certain technical things we had to use mm-hmm. that were, that made it really, uh, it was a lot of constraints. And so we ended up winning first place and it was amazing. You know, we had Angelica Willis. She's now at Stanford university. Really. That's, that's like, that was my A and T idol. She, she was like all, all through everything. So she's at Stanford now, but she pitched it for us and mm-hmm. the video is somewhere on the web, but that, that was the first time, like, I had a really successful hackathon. I mean, we, we built this app in three days, sold it. Wow. And it was what set us apart. We were one of the only teams that had a a full live demo. We didn't have a video recording. We were out there playing around with app. Now, I'm not saying every feature worked. It's not the goal to have every feature working. But the app itself was in a stage where we could present it, show our idea, and it was a proof of concept. And that really helped the judges to say, hey, this is the team that needs to win. Man, um, man, it, it, it was crazy. And so that hackathon, we walked away with um, a lot of different little things. Like we had tablets, another smart watch, 40,000 flyer miles for American Airlines. It was crazy. It wasn't a cash prize, but it was a lot of really great prizes that, you know, from a hackathon. This this is beautiful. I thought, so y'all didn't get 40. So y'all didn't get 40. So, oh, oh, this is last year. Yeah, this is 2016. So oh, I forgot. Back to back. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, 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 I don't want to hear about this never again. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so yeah, let's let's fast forward. Um, 
spring of 2017, my chairman is like, you know, we need a new team. We got to go back to this hack event. We got to go again. You know, we're the reigning champs. Mm -hmm. And me, myself, I'm like, okay, you know, at the time, our team was two seniors and two juniors. Uh And, you know, he wanted the two uh, returning juniors to go back again. Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person that I want to allow other students to get this opportunity. I don't want to do everything. Mm -hmm. And so I told him I didn't want to go. (laughs) <laughs> just to be real i i didn't want to go to the hackathon again a couple of reasons that and because it was on jiho mm-hmm. this was my senior year jiho i was gonna have to miss it if i went to this hackathon and for so those like, that are not familiar with ANC's homecoming jiho is the greatest homecoming on earth the greatest <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, yeah so it was my senior year i wanted some other students to experience it and he told me he said you know when the when the when the NFL goes to the Super Bowl, they don't bench their star quarterback. <laughs> I couldn't even argue with that. <laughs> what are you supposed to say that? Like, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm 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 completely honored to get that kind of compliment, but it's like you can't even argue with that. I'm like, you know, whatever. So we select two more students, and unfortunately, the team was four seniors, and so. um <laughs> You know, I didn't like that setup because I like to have it where two people can return every year who would experience it. But we ended up sending myself, uh, returning student Olivier Bayer from the year before, um, Aaron Avery and Kayla Billy. So he's, you know, our new squad or whatever, you know. And quick question. So this is random, but for those four, right? So if you had to compare with Golden State, like who's, who's the Steph, who's the Clay, who's the KD, and who's the Draymond? (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. I'm, I'm not trying to be like, you know, cocky or whatever, but I, I, I'll give myself Steph. Uh, <laughs> I'll give Olivier, uh, Katie. Um, I, what were the other two you said? Uh, Draymond and then Clay. Cause you know, Clay, un- unconscious three point shooter, lot down defending. Draymond just do everything. I, I give, I give Aaron every Draymond and I give Clay to Caleb Billy. Uh huh. We're, we're, we're really a unique group. Everybody has different key features like what um, is really- like what would you label as as one of the leaders of the group what would you later because this, this is critical um to, to when you have a team be able to kind of idealize what people, everybody's strengths are so what would you say is your strength and then everybody else's strength in that group i would say my strength and this is i guess a kind of um uh, something i've done since freshman year was really leading mm-hmm. and so when we first got selected you know i created a group chat you know, I said, you know, hey, you know, we need to meet up, you know, do this and that. When we got the actual idea or the project statement, so let's meet up, you know, let's pitch this, let's do this. So I've always kind of been a leader. And my mom will say, when you were two years old, you used to boss me around. I call you my boss man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't want to say I'm a boss, but I like to lead. And so that's kind of like my, my, my strong point. And then, you know, for my teammates, you know, Aaron, he was doing our UI, our front end of the application. That was his big thing. And then we had Olivier working on the augmented reality. Um, for those who don't know, it's kind of a blend between a, uh, what's real and what's not kind of. Uh, laying laying some some key things through your phone on a background of what's real. So it's kind of, kind of, kind of crazy concept. And then Kayla was working on our virtual reality. So this experience of being in a car from within your phone really out of this world. So, you know. We kind of picked four different areas to work on and, you know, we each stuck with that. So, you know, we each had to realize our strength. Like Kayla, she's a great coder, but she's not the kind of person that's going to get on stage and talk. So that's not something that wasn't her strong point, but her strong point, she could code. And so, you know, everybody had their different areas. Aaron, like I said, was front end and same thing with Olivier with his part. So that's what we we, we took that and we ran with it. 
And so knowing what each team member is going to do up front is going to keep it to get organized once you get to the hackathon. You don't have to worry about, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. You already know who's going to do what. And so when we got there, we, again, Toyota was one of the major sponsors, and they wanted us to um, take the car buying experience into the 21st, 21st century and utilize technology to make that experience better for customers. And so we created this chatbot slash app called Tasha. And I mean, it was crazy how we came up with the idea. So my girlfriend actually worked at Toyota before and she was telling me how inside the company they use these Japanese terms everywhere. And so I was like, yo, that's that's cool. So how can we incorporate into our solution? And so I started Googling all these, you know, <laughs> Japanese phrases that had American meanings that made sense. And so Tasha spelled T-A-S-S H-A means skillful in English. Mm. And so it meant so much because it was also a name that we recognize in the African-American community as Tasha, T-A-S-H-A. And it had a Japanese meaning and an American meaning that was just, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was just perfect. Wow. It was, and it had, it started with a T like Toyota. It was just so many things that just fell into place. Mm -hmm. And we found that name and we just, we took off with it. So we get there. Like I said, it's about three day event. And we're working, you know, they try to throw you off because there's like a lot of cameras in the background filming and whatnot. But while we were on camera, you can look at our team. We're the only ones still coding. We're still working. You know, they took us on a tech tour to visit companies, had my laptop on the bus. I'm still coding. And so we were set and focused on winning that grand prize. That was always our goal. We're going to miss homecoming, but we're going to win this Mm $40,000. And so we went in there. Our plan was to win and nothing else. And so we got up there to pitch on the preliminary round. It was 15 schools, all HBCUs. And, you know, literally we had to stop coding three hours before our pitch. We stopped coding at that one o'clock mark at the time they said stop coding. Mm -hmm. And it was really all God because the bot did not work before that one o'clock mark. (laughs) And I mean, everything fell into place. And so when we got up there to pitch our, our, our first iteration of it, um, it, it was just perfect. I mean, Tasha was up here responding to me, you know, doing everything wow. we wanted her to do. And um, come to the final presentation in front of the big audience. Um, I don't know what happened, but I mean, I, it was literally like pitching a new product release at a, a major tech company. That's how they described it to us. And I was I, when I saw the video of myself presenting, I had never done that before. Mm-hmm. I had never gotten on a stage with, in front of an audience that large talked about a product or anything before. So this was all new to me also and a little scary. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the video, I even butchered A&T's name. And I, 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 I apologize to Chancellor Martin about that immediately. I was like, yo, I'm so sorry. I was, you know, freaking out. I said North Carolina Agricultural State or <laughs> Agricultural Technical and State. It was it was so nasty. Like <laughs> I just felt so bad. But uh, after that, you know, and then we got into it. And I was like, hey, Tasha, Tasha didn't respond to me. Uh-huh. I freaked out. Come to find out the tech audio wasn't working. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> this audio guy comes out the corner of my eye, waves his hand. I was like, thank you, God. Like I, my heart dropped when she didn't respond. Like uh-huh. I, I just freaked out. And then next thing I know, a minute later, she's back up and running. And after that, it was smooth sailing. Like it was it was it was out of this world. Wow. Uh, damn. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll make sure I link the audience to the presentation. Uh, I've actually got it on my computer as well, but man, that's, that's crazy. And I think two things I wanted to bring out that story that for anybody 
that's listening is the first and I think one of the most pivotal things that that um that I grab from it all is the power of a deadline. Mm. You had one the first time you went around you had from Friday at 5 p.m. to Saturday at 8 right. a.m., right? Mm-hmm. And then the next one was a three-day. So in three days, you had to complete X and then present. At 24 hours, you had to do X and then present. And I think a lot of people out there that are losing, that are struggling with a lot of things because they have no deadline with what they're doing. And then those that have a deadline, they're not presenting it. So they're just chilling or they're working, but they're, they're, they're always unsure. So rain, sleet or snow, you had to get on that stage, regardless if it worked or didn't work for the most part. Right. 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 So I think having that deadline, you was like, okay, cool. We're going to make it happen. You didn't say, oh, God, we didn't, they didn't give you a year. They didn't give you a year and a half. They didn't give you a year plus a million dollars. They had, <laughs> here's a limited amount of resources. Here is your team. Go do it. And I think there's so much power in putting a deadline, putting a time limit on something. Like if I say I'm going to do something by the weekend, I have to have the title. I have to have the title and the event right has to be up or something has to be done. Not, oh, I'm just going to think about this book and your book been on the shelf for 12 years. You Lauren Hill without the talent. Right. right. So I just challenge anybody out here. Don't, don't just say, okay, oh, that was cool. Cool story for him. No, look what happened. Like creating those, those, those constraints, creating that deadline allowed them to make a, a something that back to back years, first Apple watches and flyer miles, then 40 K. And then the next. So I think just so much magic because I know people that are try, trying to trying, quote unquote, trying to create apps. They've been working on it for years that are that are trying to write books. They've been working on it for almost a decade and they're waiting for I don't know what they're waiting for. But I think that's a very good testament. The second testament, which I think everybody can apply something from is each time one of the key things about the, the, the probably differentiated y'all was that y'all had a proof of concept. So y'all, right. y'all tried it out. Y'all had the app working. You were t- able to talk to Tasha. You had, I looked on your video. You actually had like what it would look like if somebody got into a Camry. Mm-hmm. And what I see is a lot of people out here with, especially people that have ideas. That's why I don't even like ideas to be honest. People bring, oh, I'm going to bring your idea. Great. I don't want your idea because you bring in ideas with no proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you haven't sold anything yet on it you haven't done anything you haven't even fleshed out the product and you want somebody to invest you want somebody and not just invest money invest time invest resources invest connection invest social capital in something that you have an idea that you haven't had the decency to even create a proof of concept i'm just challenging some everybody out there to a put a deadline on what you're working on right now and two 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 sell something Right. create something have something people can touch i don't care so that then you can validate somebody giving you their time their resources and their energy and i'm gonna get off that footstool but i think that's powerful that's what i got from the whole experience and i did want to i'll be remiss if i didn't ask you from your experiences with those hackathons with these competitions with these deadlines and creating stuff in 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 a hurry what it what, what what is your biggest takeaway that you got from it I mean, for me, it's it's weird and it's crazy, but I work best under pressure. And so you really hit on it having deadlines. And so I think one of the, the only ways that as a person you can really be successful is to create your own if they're not given to you. Mm-hmm. And so having that pressure is, is what's going to make you and urge you to get it done. And um, that and also knowing how to ha- build the right team and how to work with that team. And so one of the biggest features or one of the biggest uh, assets that 
recruiters and companies like to see when you're in that interview process is that teamwork thing. And that's the reason why being able to collaborate and work with other people. And I think that's the essential key feature besides you being able to code, besides you being able to work with Excel or whatever else, being able to actually work with the team is what's going to set you apart. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that, man. So before we get into our last round, which is culture change round, I want to ask some questions about the future. But there's one question that um that I haven't asked yet, and I, I'll be remiss if I didn't. Uh, throughout this journey, I mean, we we I, we see the success. To be honest, we see we see the Apple, we see the Microsoft, we see uh Sam's, we see, I mean, you name it, uh NASA. We see forty thousand dollars winning hackathons, whatever. What has been the one of the most challenging parts of this journey, and that you could share? And then what did you learn from it? Hmm. Most challenging part. Um, let's see. I think the, the most challenging piece, and it's a question that people always ask me, is really the time management. Um, I've really watched myself evolve and how I actually keep track of things and what keeping up with, you know, what, when am I going to do this? Meet, when am I going to meet with this person? And, you know, I think that's what really has helped me to get to where I am. And so, when I first got here, the first thing I heard from someone in my department was you can't do band and computer science because of the time constraint and what it's going to take to do both. And so I learned really quickly that you can't go to band practice, go party at night and then try to go do your homework. because It's going to be three o'clock in the morning time to get up the next day. So it's really a matter of being have, being able to have that self-control and that the self-control to actually manage and tell yourself this is what I can do. This is what I cannot do and actually block your time off. And to keep, get organized. And so now, you know, every time I, you know, I set up this time with you or I set up this meeting with this person, I put it on the calendar instant. I put everything on my calendar. I put two or three alerts on it to remind myself, you know, this time tomorrow, this time an hour from now, I've got to do this with this person X, Y, Z. And so that's the only way I'm going to be able to stay on track and to keep doing what I'm doing in life. Yeah, nah, I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, but also, too, I want to push a little bit on this more so not from a tactical if you can and i don't you don't got to share too much from from a personal perspective because i know there's a lot of other challenges outside of time management doing that what has been the most challenging personal perspective of um dealing with just the expectations uh the pressures you may be putting yourself and just um some of the responsibility you have is not only a leader one of the leaders at north carolina at one of the leaders for third good one of the leaders at for mot one of the leaders in any company you go to you're going to be one of the one of the one of the few people of color there specifically from hbcu specifically one that's younger and then also for your family being the, one of the first setting the blueprint for your brother so from that aspect what has been the most challenging thing i guess always keeping in mind that people are always watching and that because I have all of these responsibilities, I can't slack off like I would like to. And so I think this happens to, you know, the best of us. It's not all of us. It's like, you know, you wake up and you say, hey, I don't want to do this today. Or, you know, I don't want to go to this board meeting. I don't want to go to do this interview. But it's like you, it's, 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 it is definitely challenging to keep yourself motivated and to keep pushing yourself to do X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy to get into that real comfortable stage and say, you know, I'm going to do the bare minimum. But if you really want to get to where you want to go, you have to do the extra. You have to go the extra mile. And so once you have so much responsibility, so many people watching you, 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 you know, your family's like, you know, you're the first, you know, what are you going to do next? You know, what is your younger brother going to look up to? It's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it is very challenging to, to keep pushing yourself 
and to continue to work hard. But one thing that you have to keep in mind is your why. Why are you doing this? You know, why are you going to college? Why are you getting a degree? And for me, one of my biggest why is to is to help my parents become financially free. You know, I told you my dad was an entrepreneur. However, you know, we still have a lot as a family that we still have to do, you know, financially to cover. And so, you know, yeah, Brandon is now about to be out of the family and have his own, but that doesn't mean I'm going to leave my family behind. And so it's my responsibility and that's my why I want to make sure that my parents don't have to work every day for the rest of their life. I want to make them financially free or, you know, make them comfortable where they can, if they didn't want to work anymore, they don't have to work anymore. So that's one of my big whys and why, you know, why I do what I do. Mm. Man, 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 man. That's, that's powerful, bro. That's powerful. That's powerful. So, um, as we transition to our, to our final, almost our final round, I have one more question about the future or one question about the future, man. What, um, two actually, what's next for you personally? Uh, not for you personally, but what's next? What's next? What should we expect from you in 2018, man? 2018, 2018. 2018 is going to be a pretty, pretty nice year. Um, definitely. After graduation, like I mentioned, moving all the way across the country to Bellevue, Washington is going to be a journey. Um, and joining Microsoft Corporation is going to be huge. Um, upon that, like I mentioned, like you mentioned in the bio, I am going to be pursuing a master's in machine learning. Um, I'm applying to a few online programs that I can pursue while working full time. Um, and then from there, it's really is jumpstarting my career, getting into the groove of working actually full time as an employee without you know, going into class every day. It's going to be a little different, not working with my student orgs, but at that point, it's going to be working on orgs on a more professional level. So you mentioned Nes. Oh, I mentioned Nesby earlier. I'm a part of Nesby now. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop being a Nesby now. It's going to be Nesby professional. Um, working within the company, a part of the Black uh, Employee Resource Group, you know what I'm saying? So it's really now more so working from a more professional standpoint, being able to give back to the community that got me to where I am and help to bring other students to, to surpass me. Mm, love that. Love that. And not to get morbid, but when it's all said and done, what do you want your last lasting legacy to be? My lasting legacy. I, I would really like that to be like, you know, this was the guy that, you know, although he did so much, you know, he didn't just care about himself. He cared about other people. And so, you know, on campus, I try to, you know, exemplify that through all of the volunteer events that I do to help, you know, educate students and what I did to get to where I am. And also by, uh, you know, doing other community service events in the, in the Greensboro area. Um, I would also like it to include that, you know, this guy was very innovative, you know, he's working to change the world, but to also, you know, have an impact on our culture. You know, there's a lot of technology happening, but there's not a lot happening to really impact the African-American um, society. And so I really want to be able to do that as a part of my legacy. Mm, mm, mm. That's real, man. So let's jump into our last round, our most exciting round, our culture change round, where I ask a series of five rapid fire questions and I need five rapid fire answers, man. You ready? All right, let's do it. What's the best piece of advice that you have never received? That I never received. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it would be that you need to pursue, uh, I guess, internship during college. I didn't receive that prior to coming here, but had I had that mindset, you know, maybe I would have started off at Microsoft. So having that mindset and that advice early on would have probably made things a lot different. Um, and I want to give one more, one more second one. Um, if I would have known about coding when I was younger, that's some serious advice I think would have really uh, changed a lot of, a lot of things. 
Mm, love that, man. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would it be? One ab- habit that I, I that I've, I've always tried to do is waking up and becoming a morning person. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot easier when I get to the West Coast, but being on this East Coast, getting up early is is really hard thing to do for me. And so being a morning person is a habit that I, w- I, I wish I could add a lot easier. Um, a habit that I would remove. Um, hmm. I guess some is saying yes too many times. <laughs> saying yes to two. Obviously, you know, I've got a, a really huge um, portfolio of experiences and whatnot. And so not knocking any of them, but sometimes it's okay to say no. And that's something it's saying, saying yes is, is a, is a really hard habit to break when you really enjoy doing a lot for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, but uh, luckily when you, 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 cause when you say yes to something, but you're, you're unfortunately saying no to something else during that time. So, right. but I, I, I would say one advice would be luckily you're doing it now. You're doing a lot of yes now. So when you, as you get down your career, now you can be like, yo, I said, I, cause I've, I've, I've said, I've said yes enough that you can kind of give you a pat on your back to say no uh, as you get it going. So get all yeses out the way now. It's a, cause I'm telling you, the more you continue to climb from a worldly perspective, there's only going to be more so yeses. So and when you graduate, that's when it's like, okay, now, now it, but, uh, you, you'll have enough mentors, enough people in your ear to kind of give you some sound advice on that. But yeah, that's a, uh, that's a different problem. What is, <laughs> what would you say is your favorite book and why? My favorite book. Hmm. Now I'm I'm gonna I'm talk about this 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 gift I got from from my birthday. So, um, like I mentioned, I mentioned my girlfriend earlier, and she she's a very very spiritual person. That's something that I've I've been working a lot more in 2017 on. And so she bought me a a, a daily devotional, and it's called uh, Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. I really I really like to have this book. Um, every morning it's a good it's a good way to get your day started especially if you are a spiritual person. And I think this is probably one of my favorites right now. Um, aside from that, there are a few books that I've, I'm in the process of working on. Uh, one is called The Lean Startup by Eric Rice. Oh, yeah, I love that one. And one other one I just received is called The Mind of a Winner by Steve Canal. Um, I got that one actually from that hackathon. So th- those are two books that I'm working on right now. Mm, love it, man. Love it, love it. Uh, what would you say is your biggest fear? My biggest fear, mm, not not being able to impact as many people as as I know I can. So you know, I, I mentioned earlier how hard it is to to continue to have that drive and to to pursue uh, my legacy and whatnot. But I think my biggest fear is 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 maybe one day, you know, or maybe one morning, you know, I, I what if I lost sight of that, and what if I don't pursue anymore so you know a lot of people graduate from college and things change for them and they're not you know they're not where they thought they would be when they graduate and so that's a fear for me not saying that it's going to happen but it's just you know you have that thought in your mind like you know what what if i get out and i get too comfortable you know it's it's a, it's a thought that crosses my mind sometimes and that, that is a, a fear um but you know i still always keep in mind that why to continue not to, to continue to go in the opposite direction of that fear Yep. No, that's huge. That's huge. That's huge. And our last question before we get to our last defining uh, culture change question is, if you're the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? (laughs) President of the United States, huh? First thing I would do, I would I would stop. Stop like violence, like 
get rid of guns. I think that's that's something that's that's really. I mean, we we there's always this is a really big debate on whether or not we need to have them. But I think that's one of the biggest issues right now. You know, our society is so so busy hurting one another that we're not focused on helping each other. And I think if we could, if, if there was a way to remove that from our society, it would make things a lot different. Mm, man, say no more, say no more, man. So that's a wrap for that culture change round, man. And as always, everybody to have on the show and everybody that, uh, that comes on and everybody's listed rather is a, is a trailblazer in their own right. So, and a culture change agent. So this question is for that. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? If I could change one thing about our, our African-American society, um, I think I would I would expose, if possible, I would expose everyone in our, our society to what is really available to us because I think a lot of us don't realize that. And a lot of us don't realize that we actually already have what it takes to get to there. And so I think, I think a lot of, like a lot of people I know in our society, you know, they, they, they feel like they can't do this. They can't work at Apple. They can't work at Microsoft. They can't do this and that. But if I could really, if I had a way, and that's part of this legacy I'm working to build to really expose and show everyone in our society that no matter where you come from or where you are in your life, you can still be successful and no matter what you want to do. Hmm. Everybody already has the tools. Right. Exactly. Man. So, yo, B, it has been a phenomenal, phenomenal, transformative interview that I know is going to touch a lot of lives, touch a lot of students, touch a lot of parents and young adults, seasoned professionals, you name it from all cultures, not just people of color. So, man, I appreciate uh, because I, I always want to make sure that while I only interview people of color, that. A lot of people are benefiting from this content and I don't want to say your, your accomplishments that things that, that, um, the creator that you serve has, has allowed you to, to do are big just because you're a person of color. Nah, this is, this is stuff that any student anywhere on any country on any planet would have to strive and, and do a lot of stuff to be able to do, man. So I never want to minimalize um, our our accomplishments as a culture and specifically your accomplishments from the vein of a black student, just a right. student in general that is, uh took took advantage of the opportunities that were given to him, worked extremely hard, learned, took the L's when he had to, but utilized those L's to make dubs. And I appreciate <laughs> your time, man. So if you could just share um, your where, where people can find you at online, et cetera, but also too, I didn't ask, but I know you utilize a lot of different resources like maybe via websites or whatever. So if there's any resources or programs, et cetera, that you have utilized throughout your experience that can help some parents, help some students, help some young professionals out there, please do a uh, uh, share. Yeah. So um, there are numerous uh, ways that you can really get more in contact with like technological tech tech um, resources. And a few of them that I use were codeacademy.com. Coursera.org and Udacity. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. As far as actually preparing for technical interviews, um, some really big ones are HackerRank.com, LeetCode, and this book. They call it like the Bible of tech interviews. It's called Cracking the Coding Interview. Um, no matter you know what recruiter you talk to, if they're going to tell you to get that book, 
Um, it's, it's really a great uh, book to have, especially if you want to pursue a career as a software engineer in technology. So uh, I said those are all three really great resources aside of the websites I mentioned. Um, as far as getting in contact and following me, I have a website. It's BrandonLLong.com. That's two L's. Um, also on Instagram at BrandonLLong underscore and Facebook BrandonLong. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm accessible pretty much everywhere. I'm on Twitter. But mostly Instagram is where I'll be at. And again, at my website, you can reach me there. All right, cool. And you also find them on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, definitely. LinkedIn. Connect with me. <laughs> uh, no doubt. No doubt, man. So from the bottom of my, uh, from the bottom of my heart and my Notre Trail is a heart, man. We want to say a uh, couple things, couple things. One, keep doing what you're doing. And two, for all my listeners out there, for everybody that's listening right now, right now, stop your car and say what? Change the freaking culture. Good night.